In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, we journey to Talton, Johannesburg to check in on the powerhouse Vutlare Chauke, a young black vegetable farmer on a mission to change the face of agriculture in Mzanzi. And in our entrepreneurship slot, Jerry Aris, the Acting Chief Director of Farmer Support and Development at the Western Cape Department of Agriculture, talks about the Comprehensive Agricultural Support Program, also known as CASP. We are inspired by KwaZulu-Natal forestry farmer Musawinko Sikubeka. He says his feature on Food for Mzanzi went viral on social media. The response he received was overwhelming. On top of our reading pile this week is the founder's dilemmas, anticipating and avoiding the pitfalls that can sink a startup by Noam Wasserman. You definitely don't want to miss a weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with agricultural economist Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. He will highlight the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzanzi, welcome to episode 35 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm Dawn Numdu, editor of South Africa's leading agricultural news and lifestyle publication. Joining me this week is journalist Duncan Masiwa. Hey Dawn, it's great to be back and it's always an honor to take our listeners to different parts of our beautiful country and sharing the stories of the unsung heroes in the agri-industry. And of course, today, as always, we have another exciting lineup. But first, you're connecting with Josie vegetable farmer, Futlari Chauke. Futlari, welcome to Farmers Inside Track. I am, of course, excited to be chatting with you today. I want to kick off our conversation with a question that our Farmers Inside Track listeners are dying to know. And that question is, what made you resign your job at one of South Africa's leading JSE-listed companies? where you worked as a business and product developer to go into farming. Absolutely, Duncan. Before I changed or changed sectors, my mentor and I sat down. We identified products that I could start producing when I started the agricultural project. We worked on an income statement. I looked at the figures. The figures looked okay on paper. Obviously, at the time, I had planned that I would have consulting work so that I could also have a source of income while the business was, was growing. And I mean, also at the time, I felt that because the project was still new and also the fact that I didn't have agricultural background, I wouldn't inspire a lot of confidence from investors to give me, let's say, a million rand to kickstart the project. So I knew that at the time, I have to show I'm committed to the project so that I could attract additional funding because when I started, I self-financed. And I mean, with that hope, almost like three years ago, I'm so glad that I did because now three years later, I have secured so much investment into my company because investors have seen how passionate I am. They've seen my work ethic. They've seen the quality that I can deliver and they're willing to invest even further into other projects that I want to pursue. Now, many people would regard such a career move as being reckless, you know, but I'm almost certain that in your own journey, there were calculated decisions that you took before you decided to jump sectors, right? I am one person who is not afraid of change. 
earlier in my career, I transitioned from the tourism industry to the logistics industry. So transitioning to the agricultural space was not that daunting because I knew that if I got into the industry, had an open mind, did my research, learned from people that were already there, also learned from my mentor, I'd be okay. You know, so that wasn't so daunting also because the products that we had identified as a launch pad for my agricultural project also had an offtake agreement secured. So the one thing that I had to do was to make sure that I was involved into the business, that I learned as much as I could. But I mean, as you know, the plans that you put in paper versus reality is always different. The financial projections that we, we drafted looked so nice, you know, on paper. But after two, three months of trading, I realized that, oh my gosh, the environmental aspects that actually impact on the yield of a farmer. And I was no exception because within the first two months of trading, we were hit by hail. Luckily, only 30% of my produce was damaged. But then that was actually a wake-up call to say, I have to be smart about the choices that I make in terms of my products, in terms of the markets that I also secure for myself or the products that I produce. So from then on, I started opening my eyes to try and understand the industry even more. Now, you've been running your business successfully for close to three years now, and I'd like you to take us through some of the highs and lows that you've experienced in your agri-journey. I can't believe it's been three years because it actually feels like I've been in this industry for even longer from just the experiences that I've had. For example, like I've already said, we experienced hail within the first two months of trade. The following day, I had to decide whether I was going to go back to agriculture or call my old boss and ask for my old job back. (laughs) But I spoke to my mentor and he encouraged me to hang on. Also, the yields that we were expecting didn't actually quite match what we had actually projected on paper because we started having problems with the soil root nematodes were one of the issues that we're having with the products that we were planting at the time we were forced to change products as well from what we initially started with so those are some of the laws but also in terms of the market you know you plant a product you have a price that you will get in mind and when you send it to the market the price has changed because now the market demands have changed also so now your pricing is not what you had projected So a lot of those were learning lessons for me, I guess. And I think the highs, one of them is that I've been resilient. There were so many times when I could have quit because my numbers didn't look right, but I hung in there. And one of the highs for for, for me has been the opportunity to be part of the SAB Urban Agri Program. And this is an initiative which was started by SAB to invest in young people that were already in the industry. They were looking to invest in them so that they could commercialize and and become big commercial farmers. So the fact that I'm part of that program and now I have my own hydroponic facility that I am growing tomatoes in, in addition to the products that I was growing before, is one of the highlights. And I think also the fact that we're able to go out um, to the industry as VT Harvest, knock on the doors of so many customers that we've approached they were willing to give us a chance and we've been able to to maintain those customers and also get referrals to grow our business is such a highlight. I think for me more than anything has been the growth has been the highlight because now I'm able to see even better opportunities in agro-processing because I've been able to to stay in the industry just a little bit longer. Now, Vitlari, you're an advocate for excellence and consistency, quality and on-time delivery. And a lot of producers neglect this way of thinking. Please educate us why these principles are so important for a farmer, especially when it comes to his or her business brand. There's a saying that a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. 
meaning that it's easier to hold on to something that you have than to risk losing it and have to find something else. In my experience, I found that because I've been so pedantic with quality, with consistency, and not that we get it all right all the time, but because we've been so dedicated to it, our customers have become advocates for our business. I've received a lot of referrals from my customers to some of their friends and their uncles who also are in the industry because they were able to vouch for my quality, they were able to vouch for my products. But also the benefits of having an extremely satisfied customer is that you have an opportunity to upsell, meaning that it will be easier to introduce new products to their businesses because they already trust you as a brand and that they can take a risk on you. So for examples, I mean, I started my journey in agriculture with just purely herbs, but now through the funding that I received from the SMB Urban Agriculture Programme, which is being implemented by Made with Rural, I'm growing tomatoes. Tomatoes were a new product for me, but because my customers know that they can trust Vutari, most of them have actually reduced their spend that they were spending at the Joburg market for tomatoes, and they are redirecting some of those orders to my business. By making sure that your customer looks good, by giving them the quality product, they will become an advocate for your business and they will also become a place where you can always try to launch new products than have to try and get new customers for your business. When people read about you or listen to your story, what is the one thing that you want them to walk away with? I would like people to gather that in the pursuit of one's dreams or goals, you will always be required to move out of your comfort zone. And moving out of your comfort zone requires gumption. It requires guts and also it requires a lot of hard work, man. Sure, I've worked so hard all my life. I remember from a very young age being wanting to excel in everything and that required me to go beyond what everyone else was was putting in in terms of their schoolwork. So even now in my professional career, I'm taking agriculture as my professional career. This is not just a hobby. It's something that I believe I will leave a legacy in. I'm also giving 110%. What I've also learned is that one mustn't be afraid of starting small or trying something new because you never know. It might just be a launch pad for something even greater. So even where I am today with this hydroponic facility, this is not the end for me. I still want to pursue agro-processing opportunities which terrify me to this point. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've already started doing my research. I've already identified companies that are operating in those spaces. I've made contact with them to try and understand the industry. So if you really want to go for something, then go out there, do your research. You might just be surprised at how successful you become. Right, onto our quirky questions segment. Now, Vitlari, in this part of the show, I ask you two questions that are completely unrelated to your field in agriculture. And today I have prepared two would-you-rather questions. So I hope you're ready because here I go. Question one, would you rather have bad breath or smelly feet? (laughs) Duncan, I think I'd rather have smelly feet. (laughs) You know, there are products out there that you can, I mean, apply on your feet. I remember I've seen Milo coat at my house before. You can wear socks, but yes, your breath. People interact with you on a daily basis. And I love to smile. I love to laugh. So I don't want to feel conscious or any type of way because now I have bad breath. So definitely smelly feet. Would you rather lose the ability to lie or believe everything you're told? Duncan, that is such an unfair question. (laughs) 
for starters, I don't believe everything I'm told. I'm too overly analytical, so I always struggle with believing everything I'm told. And losing the ability to lie. Shucks, man, you know, sometimes when you're running late for a delivery and someone says, but where are you? I'm like, I am 10 minutes away while I'm actually 20 minutes away. So I can't decide. Thank you for taking up space and reaching new heights, Futlari. This young farmer is the CEO and owner of VT Harvest in Talton, Johannesburg. Wow, mom, why did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens. Bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za As promised, we're now joined by Jerry Aris, the Acting Chief Director of Farmer Support and Development at the Western Cape Department of Agriculture, who will be now talking about the comprehensive agricultural support program known as CASP. Over to you, Karen Blau. Joining me now is Mr. Jerry Arias, the Acting Chief Director of Farmer Support and Development. Thank you so much for joining me, Mr. Arias, on this insightful and inspiring episode of Farmer's Inside Track. Mr. Arias, can you give a bit more background on the aim of the funding and what it hopes to achieve? The Western Cape Department of Agriculture is currently calling for CASP applications. CASP stands for Comprehensive Agricultural Support program. The purpose of this funding is to increase production on current smallholder or commercial farms. The other purpose is to get farmers market ready and also access to markets. Why is it so important to have funding like this available for smallholder farmers and subsistence farmers? And what will this money mean and what will this investment into smallholder farmers and subsistence farmers mean for the Western Cape agricultural industry? The grant can be used for agri-processing or value-adding on-farm. Furthermore, you can use the grant funding to support farming infrastructure or inputs like irrigation systems, soil preparation, chemicals, mechanization, or even to supply a borer for water. There are two types of clients that can apply for this grant. The first one that I want to mention is the subsistence farmers, and they can apply for either community or household projects. The criteria for this community or household projects are the following. You must have access to land, whether it's your own land or lease land. What is important is that you must provide either a lease agreement or proof of ownership of the land. Furthermore, the department would like to have a lease arrangement for at least three to five years where land is leased. The other compliant thing is that you must have access to irrigation water on this piece of land, whether it's your own or leased or you must be willing to use recycled water. We are not recommending municipal drinking water at this stage as it is a scarce resource and it's also very expensive. The other criteria is that for the subsistence farmers, whether it's community or household projects, is that we give preference to people on the municipal indigent register because we assume they are 
battling at this stage and they are the poorest of the poor. The second group of farmers that we are supporting with this grant funding is the smallholder or the black commercial farmers. The criteria is also more or less the same as above, but we also need a lease agreement. And for this category of farmers that I'm referring to, the smallholder and the commercial farmers, we need at least a lease arrangement for nine years, nine years, 11 months. Or whenever you are planting long-term crops like fruit trees or vineyards, therefore we need a 15-year lease agreement. It's also important that you must create jobs with this grant funding as this is a very strong criteria for this, um, for this category of farmers. If you are applying for an equity scheme where it is for the empowerment of workers, then you must comply with the latest AgriBEE framework. So if people are interested in applying for the CAS funding, where can they go find more information on the application process? I just want to say the following on how to apply. You must obtain a request form either from our website www.elsenberg.com or you can also go to our nearest office in your specific district and ask for an application form. However, applicants is encouraged to contact the nearest extension officer for guidance and support for completion of the form. Please submit your completed form at the nearest office within your specific area and with all the compliance documentation. Keep in mind that if your application form is incomplete that you will not be considered for funding. After submitted your application form by the due date, that is 31st of July, the department will bring a farm visit to your land to verify the information submitted as per application form. You are welcome to contact the nearest extension officer in your area or the office of the department, which you will find on our website. Thanks, and we're looking forward for your applications. Thanks for joining us, Jerry Aris, Acting Chief Director of Farmer Support and Development at the Western Cape Department of Agriculture. I think most of us know the adage, money does not grow on trees. And now might be the best time to review that saying. This week, we are inspired by KwaZulu-Natal forestry farmer, Musa Wenkosi Kubeka, who made his first million at 27. His feature on Food from Zanzi went viral on social media and the response he says he received was overwhelming. Hi, this is Musawin Kostukupega from Lowsberg, forestry farmer. I was featured on the story by Food from Zanzi. It was overwhelming. I didn't expect such a response. And thank you for Food from Zanzi for featuring us as the young South African farmers. Uh, the response was quite overwhelming. The number of shares I got on the social platform, I think we're more than a thousand. From that particular feature, I got three radio interviews and they all went fairly well. Thank you so much for Food from Zanzi. Continue doing the good work and big ups to you guys. Thank you so much for being an inspiration, Musa Winko Sikubeka. For even more daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists to go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at foodformzanzi and use the hashtag FarmersInsideTrack. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Forms Zanzi so much. 
they're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. We are drawing closer to the end of this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track podcast. But first, our book of the week. Our farmers have selected the founder's dilemmas anticipating and avoiding the pitfalls that can sink a startup by Naomi Wasserman. Over to you, Food from Zanzi journalist Kyron Blau. For this week, we are reviewing Noam Wasserman's The Founder's Dilemmas, in which he addresses some of the common pitfalls that entrepreneurs face when starting up their new business and giving them strategic solutions on how to avoid these mistakes that could hinder the growth of the business or even result in the early demise. Some of the key themes that the book looks at is whether it's a smart idea for you as a young entrepreneur to enter into a business agreement with your family or friends and when is the right time for the founding CEO to step down or be fired. The book also explains how young entrepreneurs can anticipate, avoid or recover from disastrous mistakes that could possibly splinter a founding team and leave its founding members without any tangible financial payoff for all of the hard work, dedication, and innovative ideas. Noam really highlights the importance of striking a balance between controlling the business and finding revenue and resources that could take your business to the next level and unlocking its full potential. He then further emphasizes the importance of not going and opting for the easy short-term decisions because they will not yield the best results in the long term. So obviously, if you're a young entrepreneur or if you're considering taking the road less traveled and you're steadfast on making your business work, I really recommend reading this thought-provoking book. It provides you with practical solutions to people problems that oftentimes causes businesses to fumble. I rate this book a strong four and a half out of five. Thanks, Kyron. Sounds like a must read for any young entrepreneur. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, an agricultural economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much, Dawn and Duncan. As mentioned, I'm Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, and this is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and follow us on Facebook. But let's jump straight into the latest vegetable prices for the past week. The potato price increased by 7% week on week to 42.95 per 10 kg bag due to good demand and lower volumes. We may however see that this upward movement can be limited due to lower demand this week, but volumes to remain low, most likely keeping prices on its higher level. Lower tomato volumes delivered last week resulted in the price to increase by 10% week on week to 9 rand 30 per kilogram. The expectation is that the price may trend down with the coming week due to higher volumes and limited demand. We may also see more larger sizes to enter the market soon. The carrot price increased by 3% last week to 4.24 per kilogram with prices that may stay around this level for the remainder of the month. 
However, we are expecting more medium and smaller sizes this week compared to larger sizes. The onion price increased by 3% to 5 rand 10 per kilogram with volumes that is currently low on most markets resulting in prices to most likely stay on its higher level for the remainder of the week. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 2 rand 82, garlic on 86 rand 86, spinach on 4 rand 51, Sweet potatoes increasing to 4 rand 89 per kilogram and the latest paper price of 15 rand 66 per kilogram. We have seen that the banana price increased by 23% to 7 rand 48 per kilogram last week due to a 17% decrease in volumes. Higher volumes and lower demand may put this price under pressure again this week. The latest Apple and Pay price traded mostly sideways on 6 Rand 51 and 7 Rand and 4 cents per kilogram respectively last week, most likely staying on its lower level this week. Because we are moving from Navels to Valencia's, the orange volume sold decreased by 28% week on week, resulting in the price to increase by 22% to 4 Rand 32 per kilogram. However, lower quality limited the price increase the past week. There is currently a big oversupply of soft citrus negatively impacting most prices, but high quality still keeping these prices on a relatively stable level. The latest Nachi price traded on 5 rand 45 per kilogram. The avocado price increased by 15% to 13 rand 93 per kilogram last week on the back of decreasing volumes. The harvest is lower than was anticipated before the season with large volumes still destined for the export market due to the weaker exchange rate. Expect prices to stay around its current level for the next three weeks or so when we may start to see some increasing prices due to lower volumes. Other fruit prices traded as follows. Grapes on 78 Rand 3 cents, pineapples on 7 Rand 46, increasing by 11% week on week and the latest lemon price on 4 rand 36 per kilogram 3% higher compared to last week. To summarize, there was some disruption due to the transport strike, especially to smaller markets, impacting on the volumes delivered. But demand is expected to be very low this week, negatively impacting most prices. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news in the fresh produced markets of South Africa, subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and also follow us on Facebook. Also make sure to stay tuned to Food for Mzanzi for the latest in agriculture. This broadcast is of course made possible by Standard Bank. Back to you, Dawn and Duncan. Thanks, Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. For more information, go to amtrends.co.za. Dawn, that's a wrap for this week then. Remember, if you love the podcast, share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. And that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Please stay safe out there and remember to always wear a mask. Visit Food for Zanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest information. From me, Dawn Numdu. And me, Duncan Masiwa and the rest of the Food for Zanzi team. Have a great week. Ciao. 
You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food Form Zansi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.